Good morning. It is None of Your Business Podcast, a podcast where we talk about anything but your business and ask questions. That's none of your business. Thank you for joining me today. Now let the show begin. What's up, guys? Good morning. It is Friday, and this is None of Your Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Belou. And this uh, is such an amazing, amazing interview. You know, one, it's an honor to, I got to meet somebody who's fought for our country and has had a huge impact in my freedom, your freedom, and just our country. So first off, thank you for your service, Jason, and everything that you've done. Second off, Having a New York Times best-selling author in my first year of podcasting, I never thought would happen. So that is amazing. Uh, he, this is like the sixth person that I've had who's been a TED Talk speaker. So that is amazing. And in this episode, Jason shares about what it means to get off the X. And, you know... We can all just keep moving forward. We can keep getting past our struggles and we can overcome it. You know, you guys know me, you know, we can overcome anything. It doesn't matter where we come from, but we can do kick-ass things. And Jason is definitely doing kick-ass things. Um, You know, we talk about his struggles when he was laid up in the hospital after major surgeries and how he started writing a book that wasn't intended to be a book and you know the skills and habits that he picked up uh from his co-author a new york times best or a best-selling author and we talk about morning habits routines we just we talk about personal life you know this this episode is amazing so Go over and rate and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcast. Go share this with a friend. Share this with everyone. Share it on your social media. This one is not uh, a episode to miss. I'm blown away when, you know, after uh, we got done recording, I listened to it and I was like, oh, wow. Like, I did that. Like, I was interviewing like that's that's all my podcast like whoa like super cool guys um I'm really impressed really really impressed with this one so let me know what you guys think on iTunes uh it really helps me out please share it my goal is to get 10,000 downloads if you didn't already know so help me help you even more um find Jason on social media He'll give everything at the end. And of course, everything will be in the show notes, guys. So before we dive in, just a quick message real quick. Hey, guys. And real quick, before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to talk about my friend Michael Chauncey's program. It is the Create Fit Tribe. And... Really, what it is, is just a online mastermind for fitness individuals who 
maybe are just beginning their fitness journey with the new year's resolution or somebody who wants to compete, you're going to have, you know, your own unique nutrition and workout plan designed specifically for you. But you're also going to have this community of like-minded individuals to get motivation and support questions, love. It's going to be like a family guys. So check out the show notes, find our Instagram at Facebook, Michael Chauncey, Instagram, Tyler Michael Chauncey. I love you and enjoy the episode. And we're on. So welcome, Jason. It's an honor to have you on. I appreciate you being on our show today. So tell us about what you do. Uh, I am a uh, retired Navy SEAL, an author. I am a speaker and a coach and consultant. Coach and consultant. And so a retired Navy SEAL, you know, you, what, you joined the Navy in about, what, 1992? That's right. Okay. And you, what, you grew up in Ohio, in North Carolina, pretty much all over the east of the country, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit of an anomaly. I'm kind of the opposite of everybody else and most people in the military. Most people in the military join the military and they, uh, they move every couple of years. I mean, it's just kind of the standard of the military life. Uh, special operations tends to be a little different because usually we are stationed in specific locations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved a lot growing up and then joined the Navy and I stayed in the Virginia Beach area my entire career. Yeah. And why did you join? Um, you know, I came from a military family. My, uh, my father had served and my both grandfathers on both sides. My great uncle was actually killed in World War II. So I just kind of grew up with these stories and from a very young age, just had this heart for service and just, it's always something I wanted to do at a, you know, okay. Like most kids, it evolved, uh, you know, from, different jobs in the military. When I was younger, I kind of thought I wanted to be a pilot like my grandfather and then found out about special operations and um, just kind of set my sights on that. About the age of 14, I heard about the SEAL teams and I said, that's what I want to do. Cool, cool. That's super, thank you. That's that's amazing. So anyway, you've been on three deployments? Uh, I did, uh, so, Enlisted pre 9-11, I did, I did, uh, uh, yeah, three, three deployments pre 9-11, and then I did two more deployments post 9-11, so two combat deployments post 9-11. Okay. And like, what was something that you learned on each deployment? Uh, you know, you always learn, um, you know, you always learn different things. Um, so pre 9-11, we were at a time in the military where training and probably relationship building was probably a bigger arm in the military at that time. So mm-hmm. we were uh, specific, specifically in special operations. We did a lot of training with foreign counterparts um, in the early in the late 80s, early 90s, even into the late 90s, you know, we were pretty heavily involved in the drug war here in America with uh, a pretty heavy flow of narcotics coming to America through Central and South America. So uh, that was one of the things that I did when I was uh, younger in the military pre 
I was working down in Central and South America doing some of the counter drug type missions. So I, I learned a lot about a different cultures. Um, I learned um, at that time I was fluent in Spanish. I learned how to speak Spanish and I'll be honest, I really loved the culture. Um, I loved the, the Latin, um, very friendly people, just kind of laid back. Um, obviously there were very dangerous parts of where we were, but for the most part, people were very genuine and um, I made some good friends with some of the different units and uh, some of the different individuals I work with, but, you know, also learning a lot about different parts of the world, the perspective. I mean, we're very blessed to grow up here in the United States of America. And not that we don't have poverty in our own problems here, but man, it pales in comparison to when you go to some uh, third world countries where, uh, you know, you are in the heart of, you know, poverty at a level that, you know, you almost never see here. Uh, you know, individuals who, um, you know, young kids running around bloated and naked just because, you know, they, they don't have access to food, you know, they're homeless. So that, that gave me a real appreciation for, you know, the gift of living in America. So that was kind of my first exposure to that. And, and my first exposure to there, there are evil people in this world. I mean, mm -hmm. being down there, um, we were on the periphery um, of, it was a little bit towards the aftermath of the really violent cartels in Colombia, you know, the Cali and Medellin cartel had pretty much fallen at that point, but you were still seeing some of the aftermaths of them. And uh, I remember learning about, you know, uh, I remember actually going into a torture room uh, at one of the compounds we were at where these guys had used it for a torture room and just, seeing the aftermath and the tools and just thinking about, wow, I mean, you know, what level of depravity that a human being would do this to another human being. So, I mean, I think those were definitely some of the unique perspectives I got traveling the world and, and being involved in this job that I had. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's wow. That I don't even know what I would do if I saw something like that. That's wow. So thank you. Thank you again for your service. Um, that's, that's pretty crazy. You kind of just, yeah. Anyways, sorry. Uh, so now you're an author, like, did you start? I know where does the creativity is what I'm trying to say. Like when you're coming and writing a book, like what kind of habits do you need for that to happen? Uh, probably the biggest thing is consistency. Uh, consistency and a little structure and discipline, those three things, which is really the same for almost anything in life. Mm -hmm. um, I, I will say that I like to write. I've always um, liked to write. I've always liked, you know, language. Um, so, although I will say that I never set out to write a book. Uh, never in, when I was younger, I never thought, man, someday I'm going to write a book. Yeah. Um, it definitely wasn't something on my bucket list. It actually was something that kind of, it happened by the circumstances that I was in, at least my first book. And that mm -hmm. was um, because of the severity of my injuries, I was wired shut and I was trached and uh, I couldn't speak. So the only way I could communicate was by writing. And of course, you know, everybody wants to know, hey, well, what, tell us what happened. So that kind of led to the first, you know, major iteration of writing pages and pages about this pretty intense firefight that I was in where I got wounded and fellow teammates got wounded. And then I'll be honest, it just, 
it kind of unfolded. I just, you know, different conversations would develop. I mean, maybe I'd have a buddy there and we'd talk about another mission. So I'd get deeper into that. And then I just kind of found out that it was a little bit cathartic. Um, it gave me something to think about uh, over, uh, you know, I had four years of 40 surgeries. So it became something I did after I would recover. Oftentimes I was looking at several weeks of recovery, if not, you know, at least a month of recovery after some of these major surgeries. So I did a lot of writing. I would write about different missions and that got deeper into, I had had kind of a unique career. I had made some leadership mistakes at one point. So I started writing about that and the lessons I had learned out of that. And uh, the next thing I knew I had, you know, over 200, 250 pages of writing stories and all this. And um, I was still active duty at the time. Um, books are a little bit of a double-edged sword within our community. We want to make sure that we are not talking about things we shouldn't be talking about and that they are vetted. Um, that we're also presenting, you know, the, the special operations community in the right light, that we're obviously not giving away any tactics or procedures or things like that. So I went to my leadership and I said, hey, never really intended to write a book, but this is where I'm at. This just kind of unfolded, you know, and I gave it to some of my leadership and I said, what do you think about this? And, and they liked it. They said, it's a very humble account. You know, it's, um, you know, it's not necessarily about the community. It's much more about my story and a leadership story and they supported it. And that's kind of how it unfolded. Um, like anything in life, I definitely recommend if you can afford it, find the subject matter experts who have done it before. So I found a co-writer who, you know, helped me build structure. We kind of took everything that I had written and we kind of tore it apart. And he helped me build the structure and, you know, we recreated the narrative of the story and laid it out in the way that it did. And uh, yeah, it was great. It went on to be a good thing. So um, obviously it became a New York Times bestseller. And, uh, and I don't think that would have happened if it wasn't for John Bruni, my co-writer. Um, I feel like I'm a pretty good writer, but, you know, he was a professional and he really understood the flow. And, you know, there's certain ways where we finish a chapter, um, kind of a tease where people are like, Oh my God, well, what happened? I want to go to the next chapter. And it keeps people reading, you mm -hmm. know, instead of people not, you know, necessarily getting bored. So that's how it happened. Uh, and the second book uh, also kind of wrote itself in the aspect that after I got out of the military and I started speaking, I just was creating tons and tons and tons of content, content on leadership, content on teamwork, content on of adversity, something I call life ambushes. So I just had copious pages of notes um, with all this content. And um, I had had a lot of people who had asked me, I often speak about the overcome mindset, this mindset of it doesn't matter what adversity we encounter, I'm still going to drive forward and overcome it. Um, and people would say, man, you know, can you give me a step-by-step -step process to create that? And I'll be honest, um, I, I, I couldn't do that. I could not provide a very detailed step-by-step -step process for how do people do that in their own lives. So my second book, Overcome, really became that journey. It became how do I tear all this apart and hand somebody else the, the true steps on how to give them a step-by-step -step process to deal with adversity, how to overcome adversity. And not only that, how to build balance in your life so that you are proactive and leading yourself so that you're better prepared for the future life ambushes and future adversity that's coming. 
Yeah, I, I love it. And I, I love the title Overcome, you know. I, why I started my podcast was, you know, to, if I'm a recovering drug addict, drug addict and alcoholic. I've been homeless twice, failed businesses. And if I can get up and as a high school dropout, start a business and just overcome these obstacles, anybody can do it. Anybody can overcome whatever struggles it is. It doesn't matter what your background is. You know, obviously some people have it harder. That's for sure. And some people have it easier, but we can overcome that. It doesn't matter who we are, what we are, but we can overcome that. And so I love the title of your book and I love what you're doing. And, you know, so what, if you could tell, you know, our listeners like three things to like get starting to overcome, what would be those three things? Um, so the very first thing, and, and, and Robert, I want to, I want real quick, I want to touch on one point because obviously your audience are individuals that are probably listening also because, uh, they have had some major setback in life and they're looking for motivation, inspiration, you know, to, to get on that path. And one of the biggest things, it's never too late. That's what I want. I, I tell everybody, it's never too late. I don't care how bad you've fallen down. I don't care how bad you've messed up. It is never too late to start new and drive forward, you know, because everything that's ever happened in your past, it is in the past. Um, and, and the only people, the only way that it's going to affect you is if you let it. Now, don't get me wrong. There will be some people that'll throw you know, oh, well, you're that guy that did this, or you're that gal that did this. And yeah, okay, so what? But the longer you're driving forward and setting a positive example, the longer you're driving forward, making momentum in your life, the further away from the past you get. It only becomes a problem if you dwell on it, if you constantly bring it up. And uh, that's one of the big things I talk about in my new book. So the, the, the three pieces of advice um, come down to this. It comes down to number one, in, 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 and this really is the basis of a lot of things that I speak on. Um, if uh, I recently did a TED talk, so you'll hear a lot of this in this TED talk. But the idea is this, all of us in life are going to encounter these, these hard moments, these life ambushes, whether it is drug addiction, alcohol addiction, homelessness, whether it is, um, unexpected loss of a job, whether it is an unexpected ending of a relationship, whether it is uh, life-threatening illness or injury, I don't care what it is, you name it, uh, sexual trauma, you know, these unexpected things that come along and just knock us off our feet, knock us off our course. When we hit these situations and they occur, they're very similar to an enemy ambush. Uh, and I survived an enemy ambush in Iraq, obviously being severely shot up. I was hit eight times. And, uh, and, and being in the middle of a devastating machine gun crossfire is a really overwhelming experience. Um, but life is a lot like that also. And even though people listening to this right now might be thinking, oh my God, I can't relate to this. You know, what I've gone through is nothing compared to being in a gunfire machine gun ambush. But I, I beg to differ because it may not be actual bullets and bombs from a battlefield impacting you, but they're the bullets and bombs of life. Mm -hmm. And you are being impacted just as gravely as I was being impacted in that enemy ambush. What happens though, is so many people get overwhelmed by this moment and they get stuck in the incident. They get stuck in the failure point. They get stuck in the crisis. 
in special operations jargon, we call that point of attack, that point of incident, the X. And so many people get stuck on the X. Um, they just think to themselves, there's no way I can move on. Um, you know, they, they look back at everything they've lost. There's no way I can drive forward and recover. I'm never going to be the same. Um, you know, all these things, uh, or, or I'm so overwhelmed by the, the massive, the, the magnitude of what's happened to me. I'm just going to lay down and feel sorry for myself because it's just too overwhelming for me to get up and drive forward. And uh, the biggest thing that I learned in my special operations career was you got to get off the X. I mean, in order to survive any attack, any incident, the faster you get off the X is the faster you're going to be able to drive forward. And, and it's kind of, it's kind of counterintuitive because in the moment, you know, we're being struck by the bullets and bombs of life and it hurts and it's painful and it's overwhelming. And all we want to do is hunker down and just pray that it'll go away. But, almost never does it go away on its own. It takes our own actions, our own positivity, our own ability to move forward that's gonna get us out of, that, out of this situation. So what I tell people is you have to get off the X. You have to build this mindset of, you know, despite the hardship, despite the things that I've lost, the only way I'm gonna get out of this situation, the only way it's gonna get better is if I get off the X. And, uh, and it is amazing because for so many of us, we're in this storm and we oftentimes think in the storm, in the darkness, there's never going to be light again. But the reality is, and, and if you sit in that storm and it just happens to hover over you, you know, kind of like, you know, the Peanuts character Linus, where he has a little cloud that follows him around, you know, you have to drive a way out from underneath that. You have to get beyond that. And that is the concept of, of getting off the X. And I teach something um, in order to do that, you have to react and react is an acronym, step-by-step uh, -step process on how you can analyze your situation very quickly and basically evaluate what are the assets? What are the things I have at my disposal? How do I assess the best options that I can take and what that outcome may look like? How do I communicate that? You know, because oftentimes when we are in a life ambush, it's almost never we're in it by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Other people are pulled into the ambush with you, your friends, your family, your coworkers. So how do we choose and communicate the direction we're going to go? And then the last one, we have to take action. We have to move. So many people will go through this process and then they never execute. You know, they just sit there and they continue thinking about what they want to do, but then they never make those changes. Where so, should I cut off? Exactly. And, uh, and, and focus too much on what they lost and what's gone and, you know, oh, I'll never be the same. I mean, those are all lies, lies we tell ourselves. I mean, um, we always can shape our future, but it, it starts with us and it starts with our ability to drive forward and get off that X. So that's number one. You're going to hit life ambushes. Um, I got bad news for the people out there listening. You might've been through one. You might've, uh, you know, you might be recovering from some sort of major life ambush and you're thinking to yourself, man, life should be easy now. Well, I got bad news. It probably is not going to be, I mean, you may have smooth sailing for a while, but the average person will go through five major life ambushes in their lifetime. So five major incidents you're going to hit. Um, you know, and some people sometimes hit them all at once mm -hmm. and it's devastating and overwhelming. And sometimes they're spread out. Some people hit more, some people hit a little less, but if you already know that and you've already built this mindset of, okay, bad things are going to happen. 
Um, you know, try and avoid it. We'll try and be smart. But at the end of the day, when it happens, I got to get off the X. Number two, it comes down to how we um, lead ourselves. Anyone can learn to lead. And uh, this is something else that I teach because uh, I meet so many people that say, well, I'm not a leader. But if you want to take control of your destiny and control where you're going in this life, if you want to get off the X, if you want to get a better job, if you want to be in better shape, if you want to make more money, whatever it is, you have to lead yourself. And leadership in its heart and soul starts with you. And it starts with how you build structure and discipline into your life. It's how you motivate and, and um, set those goals and go after them. And, and, and I teach several principles through this learn to lead strategy on how we do that with three rules of leadership. And then the third thing, so we got get off the X, we got anyone can learn to lead, everyone is a leader. And the number one rule, you have to lead yourself if you wanna move forward. And then number three, uh, you know, the, the greatest superpower you have when bad things happen or when you're trying to move forward is you have a choice. Nobody's forcing you to sit there. No one's forcing you to feel sorry for yourself. No one's forcing you to focus on the past and what you've lost. You have a choice. And, and the great thing about that is you can choose to move forward. At any time, you can change the decisions that you're making. And, uh, and, and, and at some point, you know, you'll come to that realization that, you know, that idea of getting off the X, it is a choice. It is a choice to drive forward. It is a choice to choose positivity over negativity. It is a choice to uh, be a victor and not a victim, not lay there and wallow in your sorrow and say, you know, everything conspired against me for this to happen. You know, even if it did, it doesn't matter. You know, mm -hmm. drive forward, drive forward, get off that ax and move forward. So those are the three things. Love it. Love it. Those are really, really good. I, I love it. You know, when any of the times that you were laid up after surgery or whatever, was there any a time in your life where you, like you were stuck in that negative mindset of being a victim? You know, I, I won't lie. I've, I had um, moments. I, I won't say that I ever got stuck, but I mean, I think to be severely injured is a, is a hard thing. Yeah, most definitely. Especially... Um, I'd been through this journey where I had failed as a leader and almost got myself kicked out of the military and then had to earn back that trust and credibility, credibility as a leader, which was about a two year journey, very hard, uh, a very hard journey. And then got myself back on track, you know, had redeemed the trust and credibility, respect. And then suddenly I found myself severely injured. So here I was this major ambush recovery you know, back at the top and then, and then to be severely wounded. So there were definitely times where, um, you know, you question, I mean, it just is the nature of the beast. Nobody is perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody is going to have this absolutely perfect, resolute, overcome mindset where you never have doubts. I mean, we're all human. We're all going to have doubts. Um, when I talk about these life ambushes, uh, I talk about them in three different phases. Mm -hmm. um, you have, you have the, the biggest level and the biggest impact, which is major life ambushes. These mm -hmm. are those, these are the ones that, um, that I named off before, you know, illness, injury, loss of a loved one, you know, addiction, whatever these things are. 
Number two is the midpoint. It's what I call a minor life ambush. And what that is, it's, it's more of a schedule disruption. Something happens in your life that totally knocks everything off course. And an example sometimes I give, if maybe you're a one car family and that car breaks down. So now you and your spouse are trying mm -hmm. to figure out how do we get to work? How do we get, do what we're gonna do? How do we bring up this extra money to fix our car? That's a major schedule disruption. Years from now, you may not remember it, but mm -hmm. in the moment, it's a pretty big impact. And then the last one, which is the smallest, the micro ambushes, but it's also one of the biggest impacts. Uh, they are the ambushes of the mind. It is the self-doubt that tells you, you can't do this. You can't get off the ax. You're never going to overcome what you've been through. Nobody's ever going to follow you again because of the mistakes that you made. You're never going to have a good job, whatever it is. These are lies. They're the little lies that we tell ourselves in our head, but so many people get stuck in those thought loops. So I, I definitely, you know, some days, you know, th those little micro ambushes would creep up and try and tell me, hey man, you know, you're, you're never gonna be the same. You're never gonna be able to recover. Um, and, and, you know, you just push them away. You get off the X and you just keep driving forward. I mean, if I can encourage people to do anything it is always keep moving, you know, don't sit and dwell on what's happened. Don't sit and dwell on the past, you know, find a good positive group to get yourself around. And, and I will tell you, if your existing group of friends is not that good positive group, you need a new group of friends. I absolutely believe that. I, I didn't want to believe that when I was in my drug addiction. I'm like, no, no, my friends, they're great. They're they're my brothers, but no, they're all, no, nothing, nothing like that. Now that I'm clean and sober, no, I don't talk to any of those guys. And I'm grateful for that because now my circle of friends are significantly different and I wouldn't trade them for anything. So I, I, your circle is definitely a huge part. Absolutely. It is, it is tremendous. So, and, and it, it's going to help the most in those micro ambushes because if you're surrounded with negativity and you're surrounded with, <laughs> if if you were the only individual within your group of friends or sphere of influence that's trying to break out and move in a different direction, they're not going to support that. You know, mm -hmm. they're going to be like, why? Why are you doing that? You know, right. what's wrong with the status quo and the little circle we have? So instead, you need to look to the next group and say, this is where I want to be. I want to be doing this. And they will pull you along instead of you trying to push yourself, you know, to keep your head above water. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So while you're writing the, the, is it the Trident? I don't, correct? The yeah, the Trident was my first book. While you're writing that with your co-author, what are some of the habits that you think you picked up from that, from him? Um, I, don't, I don't know if necessarily I've pick this habit up from him, but uh, definitely one of the things he was very good at, and I think it is the mark of a great writer, you know, um, books have the luxury of being very detailed. And the more detail you have, the more um, entertaining and engrossing the story is. Because obviously with books, we can get incredibly descriptive. And the more descriptive we get, the more it places the individual into the story. And I, when we were doing interviews and we were talking about different situations, oftentimes, as many of us do, 
you know, you're the one in a situation. So oftentimes you will gloss over details because you were there. So, you know, you may say, you know, we were driving down the road and there was a tree on the right side of the road where we made the turn. Um, well, someone else may say, okay, I want a lot more detail. So, you know, what was the make of the road and what time of day was it? Where was the sun and what type of tree was it? Was it a palm tree or, you know, was it an oak tree? Um, was there grass or was it desert? Were there rocks or was it mountains? You know, I mean, all these things start to paint a very vivid picture of the background. And he was really good at that. I mean, he really, we, we would oftentimes, you know, spend a lot of time on one small part of a story just to get very deep into the details. And, mm. uh, and I think it made for, you know, a much richer experience with the book. Mm. I guess. And obviously your habits are probably pretty good since you were in the special ops. Um, but like what kind of habits, like what's your morning habits look like? So I, I am a strong believer in a morning routine. I try to encourage everybody to find a morning routine. My morning routine consists of, uh, I'm up at 5.30 and I get up and uh, uh, drink my glass of water first thing I do. And then I get, uh, I call it uh, my overcome coffee. It's coffee with uh, protein and uh, natural, uh, some other natural ingredients in it to get the day going right, some MCT oil. And, uh, and then I uh, sit down and I read. That's one of my first things I do. I read, I'm a man of faith. So, um, you know, a little prayer um, and, and little scripture. Uh, and then I take a look at my day, what's coming up in my day, you know, so get ready for that. Then I go to the gym. That's my next thing I do. So I get my workout in and, uh, and then I come back and ready to start my day. So every day is how I start that way. And, it, and it, it allows me time. You know, the other thing I do in the morning at 530 along with my reading is it gives me some time to think. I, I formulate my day. What's going on today or what maybe are some of the problems I'm dealing with? It's quiet. You know, nobody else is up. Uh, so I'm, it's only me and my thoughts. It's me and my reading. Um, I try not to get distracted by you know, maybe emails or anything like that. I try to just focus on, hey, this is my time. It's my time to organize my day. It's my time to read and educate myself and expand my mental leadership uh, mm -hmm. and, and to get aligned with, you know, my faith and my day and everything so that I'm prepared and ready for the day. Most definitely. Most definitely. You know, I, I get up almost, I'm not consistent about it because my consistency is not very good, but I would say five out of seven days a week, I get up, I pray, I go to the gym, I go to work, and I try not to be on my phone for at least 45 minutes before I wake up because those emails, those tweets, those DMs, they'll be there. That's the scroll on Facebook, that, that stuff will be there. And I, I think just having that, you know, the moment to yourself and connecting to whatever higher power you choose, if whoever, you know, you call your God is the there's nothing wrong with that, but just connecting with, you know, being spiritual and being connected um, is huge. And then at night, I like to kind of just unwind and not be on my phone for 45 minutes before I go to bed and kind of just do the same thing in reverse. Like, do you have a nightly routine that you do or? Uh, similar to that. I mean, at night, there comes a point where I turn it all off and it's just time with me and my spouse. I usually would do one final check, take a look at what the next day has. So I start getting into the mindset of, okay, I know I got this tomorrow, I got that tomorrow. Um, you know, so you start planning that mind right. 
I don't, uh, you know, one of the things that we have stopped doing, um, we don't watch the news. Um, as a matter of fact, I don't watch the news very often anymore. The news is a incredibly sensational. It's uh, nothing but negativity. Um, so, you know, maybe every now and then I'll watch it and see what's going on in the world. But for the most part, you're, you're, if you want a positive mindset, uh, you know, unless your job requires you to be abreast of everything going on in the news, trust me, I, I stopped watching the news and, and people tell me if something major is happening that I haven't seen yet, or, you know, obviously because of you know, being in the leadership space and in the coaching space, I have to be on social media. So mm-hmm. obviously everybody posts what's going on in the world on social yeah. media. So I haven't missed anything. But the biggest thing, um, I, I don't, um, you know, I know a lot of people that do that. The last thing they do is watch the nightly news before they go to bed. Well, you're planting all this negativity in your mm-hmm. mind before you go to bed. So yeah, my, my wife and I like to have that time where we just relax and we clear our minds. I do that final check. And once I'm done with that check, man, the phone goes on the charger and I'm done for the night. And, uh, and, and yeah, we just try and relax and it's our decompression time. Love it. So you're talking about not letting, you know, negative things like the news into you, you know, your mind. Um, obviously I'm assuming since you're a leader and coaching, you have a lot of positivity and you're creating lots of content. Like if in, in your free time, like, if your favorite podcasts or books or authors, like what would you be reading? I am a big reader. I read a lot of books. Um, I, I do like podcasts, but I will admit I uh, probably don't listen to as many podcasts as other people. Uh, when I'm in the gym, I like music. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, but for reading, I'm usually reading two or three different books at a time. Uh, currently, I am reading uh, one leadership book. I am reading uh, a book called Influence, which is about the art of persuasion and sales right now. And then I am reading, go ahead. I, the art, was that the Jason Harris book? Uh, I don't know who the author is. Someone uh, recommended it to me and I'm a big reader on my iPad. And the nice thing is anytime, no, this is by uh, Robert Cialdini Ah. who wrote Influence. Okay. But, um, I'm a big reader on my iPad. And the nice thing is people tell me all the time, Oh, have you read this book or have you read that book? And immediately I go buy it and it's just set up. It's next in the queue. Nice. And then I am, uh, I am reading a, uh, a book called the case for a creator. So it's about um, intelligent design and pretty amazing. It is the science, uh, very detailed accounting of life, and how amazingly intricate, intricate and complex life is um, from all the systems within our body to the planet itself to just the origin of life and how uh, science is starting to disprove a lot of the older theories like Darwinism is getting knocked down uh, just because they, there are big gaps. And Darwin even agreed that there were gaps in what he said, but what he said was that science and and technology were going to come along and fill these gaps in. Well, the opposite is happening, actually. Science and technology are filling in the gaps in the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're creating more and more things that just cannot be explained, which are lending themselves to um, this idea of intelligent design. Yeah. Well, so very interesting yeah. book. Um, yeah. For, for me, if uh, you know anybody out there is very analytical and 
you know, maybe you, uh, you, you uh, are wanting to learn more about faith or you're interested in Christianity, it is a book that's really based on science and uh -huh. uh, just uh, the argument for, I mean, when you get into it, there are some amazing facts that are very, very hard to argue against. Uh, yeah, no, it sounds super interesting. What was the name I, again? Uh, it's called, it's called The Case for a Creator. Case for a Creator. I'm going to write that down and check it out. Um, so you're, you know, pretty well known on the internet. They type in your name. You come up as a New York Times bestselling author. You have a website. You have social media. So you're, you're out there. What is something people can't Google about you? Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm a sci-fi and superhero nerd. Really? What? Yeah, a lot of people don't, uh, a lot of people don't know that about me. I don't, and I, and I, I was thinking not that long ago that I should probably put out more personal information about myself. I have a good buddy of mine who is a mentor and coach and he's like, you know, I'm always more putting out the leadership content and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, I love, uh, you know, you give me any superhero movie, any sci-fi movie, I love them. I am a huge Star Wars buff, grew up on Star Wars. Um, I like, uh, I like sci-fi superhero type shows. Um, you know, I recently watched um, uh, The Witcher with Henry Cavill on Netflix and, um, you know, just an interesting show. I mean, totally science, you know, totally, you know, magic based, but uh it's just an interesting show. Mm -hmm. That's that's cool. You know, we we gotta have our hobbies. We gotta have our free time. We if we're always working, 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 and, and like, and the work that we do is important. Like, you create massive amounts of content, and the work that you're doing with leading and coaching is important in your books. It's obviously important. But to, on a Friday night, if you got nothing going on, you're throwing on a sci-fi movie. Yeah. You know, or, you know, we do a lot of events and stuff. I like being home. I travel all the time. Um, I live in hotels. I live at other people's events. So um, I, I, when I'm home, I like being home with my family and doing stuff with my family. Um, I love to ski. Uh, our family loves to ski. That's one of our favorite things to do. Although I will admit that living in Virginia Beach doesn't allow us to do it that often. But, um, you know, definitely several times a year, you will find us on a ski slope somewhere. So Yeah, we'll come up to Montana. Yeah, no, we skied there. My kids learned to ski and whitefish. Oh, right on. Cool. Yep. So, great mountain. We'd love to go back one of these days. Yeah, right on. I, I, got, some, I got some friends outside Kalispell also. Oh, cool. Cool. Right on. Yeah, I live in Helena, um, the capital for now. I'll be moving over to the Kalispell area in about a month, but yeah. Right on. Yeah. Beautiful country up there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so if you could tell the younger version of yourself three things, what would it be? Uh, I would tell myself to um, A, be, be humble. Um, arrogance really was almost my downfall as a young leader. Um, I got a little too enamored with um, who I thought I was, um, you know, really thought a little too highly of my own abilities and, you know, this, uh, you know, I'm a Navy SEAL and all this stuff. And what do you mean you by know, that? The, you just, 
Like your ego was too high? Yeah, I was just arrogant. Okay. I was just arrogant, you know, um, and I thought more about myself and my own um, advances and accomplishments than others around me and, and definitely, um, uh, you know, not necessarily the good marks of leadership, placing your people and the mission and things like that ahead of yourself. So that, that would be one. Um, the second one would be uh, um, lead always. Um, you know, if you're going to be a leader, you can't pick and choose when you're going to lead. And that was another mistake I made when I was younger. It was, uh, and, and it's a very common mistake I see in leaders at all levels within all organizations. They, they confuse leadership for telling people what to do um, and not for actually leading and not for leading all the time. Uh, and the reality is once you become a leader, it doesn't matter um, where you are, or what you're doing, your people view you as a leader. So, you know, if they run into you and target and you're a total jerk to them and their spouse, you damage your credibility as a leader. It doesn't matter that you're not in a work environment. Uh, you're still a leader. And uh, so, you know, whether you're out on the town, whether you're having a drink, whatever you're doing, you are a leader and you have to recognize that. And that's definitely some of the advice. And the last one I'd tell myself to, to live a life with no regrets. Uh, when I was younger, I lived very fast and loose. And, you know, like many of us thought that I was, you know, bulletproof and I'd, you know, live forever and all these different things and, you know, partied hard like a rock star and, you know, probably made a lot of decisions when I was younger that I regretted later I look back and I was like man did I really need to do those things you know and I tell people now so now I live a life very differently you know I live to be a leader I live to set the example I live to make um, good decisions so that someday you know when I, I, I I've already come close to death once and I'll tell you laying there dying um, your life will flash before your eyes if you have the luxury if you have a little bit of time to reflect you'll think back on the the You'll, you'll, you'll think a little bit about the good things you've done, but really what your mind will focus on is what you didn't do that you wish you had done and the people you wish you had spent the time with that um, you should have, but you, know, you put it off because we all run 100 miles an hour. And you know, when those moments come, unfortunately, you know, we all think you don't have any more time because you're knocking on death's door. Yeah. And then you'll think about things that you did that you wish you hadn't done you know, those regrets. So I now try and live my life in a manner where I don't have those regrets. And I mean, we're not perfect. You know, we are all human. I mean, you know, I still make mistakes from time to time, but uh, I focus on driving forward and, uh, you know, and always trying to learn from it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I got a couple last questions for you. Go ahead. Where can people find your books? Uh, you can find my books. Uh, so if you just want to get a copy, you can get them anywhere. So you can go Amazon, Books A Million. You can buy them through iTunes and Kindle. You can get them in audiobook. You can get them in ebook. So any of the major platforms, you can get both of my books. If you would like signed copies, you can go to my website, jasonredman.com. Click on our store. It'll actually take you. My store resides on my coaching and consulting page, which is at my getoffx.com. And I'll take you into the online store and you can buy uh, a signed copy of the Trident or Overcome. Uh, as a matter of fact, we actually have a deal going right now. We just created a new bundle for 2020. 
So normally I sell signed copies of my hardcover books for 30. And uh, we have these military challenge coins that a lot of people are very, um, they collect them. So I sell military challenge coins typically for 25. So we have a limited edition coin we made with the book Overcome. And then I have my normal challenge coin. So we did a package 2020 for 2020, which basically you can get one of each item for, uh, so a copy of the Trident, the Overcome coin, a uh, copy of Overcome and the Overcome book coin, uh, all for that price, $79.99. So, oh, or you can get the regular book. So all on the website, also on the website, you can find, if you scroll down to the bottom of jasonredman.com, it's got all my social media links. Um, I'm on YouTube, I'm on uh, I got a YouTube channel. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all of the above. Uh, I also have a podcast that I do with a friend of mine called the Overcome and Conquer Show. So we uh, focus on leadership and overcoming adversity. So amazing stories of individuals that have overcome or stories of, of you know, leadership at high levels. And I'm assuming that your podcast is on all the major platforms as well. Absolutely. Right on. Yep. Right on. Cool. Well, you answered uh, a question without me even asking it. So last question for you. What's your message to the world? My message is to the world is don't sell yourself short. You know, so many people settle. Um, so many people have hopes and dreams when they're young and they settle into the status quo. And, and we get older and we tell ourselves, well, that ship has sailed. You know, I'm never going to be that in shape version of myself, or I'm never going to make the money that I thought I was going to make when I was younger or, um, and, and some dreams, you're right. We reach a certain age where some dreams are unachievable, but there's so many that are not, um, I don't care how old you are. Once again, it comes back to what we were originally talking about. It's never too late. It's never too late to get yourself back in shape. Uh, there are some amazing, go online and look, there's some amazing, you know, 70 and 80 year old people who are in rock hard crushing physical shape and they didn't start till later in their life. There are some amazing people that started their own businesses in their 60s and now they're multimillionaires. So don't ever buy into the BS that it's too late. I want every single person I meet to be the best version of themselves. Everybody has a gift, everybody has the ability and so many people only live up to about half their potential because they've settled. They don't push themselves anymore. They just settle for the status quo. Um, you know, they're, they're alive, but they're not really living. So get out there and live, man. You got one life. You get one shot. Uh, most of us don't get a second chance like I do. So push yourself, man. Get out there. Figure out what makes you tick. What's your passion? And go after it. You know, we live in one of the greatest countries in the world. You have the freedom and the opportunity to do it. And the only thing stopping you from doing it is you love it love it that's amazing that's amazing so go check out his book guys go find him on social media you know what his website is everything will be in the show notes jason thank you again it was an honor meeting you i really appreciate it and i'll talk to you soon yep uh robert thanks